Christian church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Welcome everybody to Strongsville Christian Church. Today's message is offended to the bone. Amen. Offended to the bone. Not offended to the epithelial layer, which is the outermost layer of the skin. Past that. Amen. There, there's different layers of the skin. The epithelial layer, if it gets damaged or scratched or bruised, it just naturally heals itself. If it goes a couple layers down, it could cause permanent damage. Amen. We want to go past that. I want to talk about offended to the bone. Amen. There's different levels of offense. Amen. Some f offense that comes on us, we just kind of brush it off, you know, no big deal, no harm, no foul. Other offense, it goes deep within our bone. Amen. And it lingers. Even after the effect, it just kind of, we carry it with us. So this message, if you could understand my heart or my intention, this is to uh, put us all in the same boat because I believe all of us have to deal with offense. Amen. Some of us have a harder time dealing with offense than others. Other folks, they, it's tough to offend them. They have thick alligator skin. You can throw baseballs at them and it just bounces off them. Other folks, a little feather comes on their skin and they're, they're shutting down. Amen. So everybody handles offense differently, but all of us go through it. And the Lord allowed me to be offended during the working of this sermon. It's interesting how every time I'm working on a message, the Lord wants me to be in touch or connected or even emotionally involved with the message that I'm getting ready to get. So God allowed someone to offend me uh, during the working of this message. It had nothing to do with the church, had nothing to do with anyone from the church, um, and, and God allowed me to experience it so I can really be connected to how do we feel? How does it make us feel when we're offended, what happens to us? How do, how, what happens to our blood pressure? What happens to our heart rate? What happens to the clarity of our thoughts, our decision making? Are we operating at our best when we are offended? Should we make major life altering choices out of, when we're offended? So. Offense is so crucial in this day and age. It is responsible for divorce. It's responsible for uh, hurt emotions. It's responsible for uh, even murder. Even murder. People can linger with offense so long, and offense can be so powerful that it can cause or motivate people to actually take the life of another person. And I have a divided understanding of offense. Reason being, as I can look back to how easily offended I was before I was a Christian. And I'm talking about it did not take much to offend me before I got saved. In fact, if you looked at me wrong on the road, if you looked at me wrong on the road, I would pull the car over. And I would punch your door, punch you, punch the window, kick your door. Why? Because you looked at me wrong on the road. This is where God has brought me from. Now, 
I don't do that as much or as often as I used to. <laughs> See, God has delivered me from that level. See, some folks are on edge. They, they got everyone walking on eggshells around them. Why? Because they, they carry all this offense everywhere they go, and then it just doesn't take much to set them off because it's not that matter that sets them off. It's the pileup. It's the, the straw that broke the camel's back. It was just one thing too much. And who can offend us? If you're married, look at your spouse. They might offend you from time to time again. If you have children, sometimes as much, and here's the thing, being offended has no connection to how much you love somebody. Sometimes you get more offended by the people you love than the people that you don't love or you don't know because you don't have that connection and they don't have that access to you to be able to offend you the way your loved ones. Jesus said, my enemies will be them of my own household. Let the church say, Amen. I want to talk to you today about offended to the bone. And I'm going to tell you what, there is a resolve. There is a solution. There is light at the end of the tunnel. God, it, that's, this is not the best will. I don't care how offended you are. I don't care how easy you get offended. God can deliver you from that. He can take you out of that lifestyle of being offended. That is not the best that God has for you. Amen. And we're, there's so much. I don't even know how is it possible that I have been preaching for 16 years and I never did a sermon exclusively on offended. I don't even know how it's possible. Now, granted, I've always talked about it in all my messages, but this is such a special topic. It deserves its own title. Amen. So you can see offended from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. We're going to use biblical people um, that have gone through offense. Amen. But before I get into the message, I want to give you a sermon before the sermon. You could call it a pre-sermon. These were notes that God was giving me pertaining to the sermon. Amen. You have Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel, Cain killed Abel. But why did he kill him? I would pre-adventure, I would say, I would suppose that there was some jealousy involved. That God the Father accepted his brother's sacrifice, but did not accept his. And because of that, he got offended, and that offense transitioned, that un resolved offense transitioned into jealousy and that unresolved jealousy transitioned into rage and that rage transitioned into murder of his own brother isn't that something that offense can get to that level then you have another illustration of Moses, and this was the one that I connect to just recently. I, I didn't just pull over the car and punch on someone's window recently. This was before I was saved, amen. So the offense that I incurred was a different type of offense or a different reason. And so I want to uh, connect to Moses. Moses was offended 
before he started his spiritual journey or his relationship with Jehovah. Amen? Before the Elohim, the great I am that I am, the ruler of who was, who is, and who is to come. Before he started that journey, it began in an offense because he was living in the lap of luxury. He was, uh, he was as an Egyptian, but yet Jewish, and he saw one of his fellow brother Jews being abused by an Egyptian. Well, he was in a quandary. He was in a pickle. He saw someone that he loved being abused by someone that he was living with. He was living with the luxuries of the Egyptians. And he saw that Egyptian beat, beat one of his fellow Jews. It was not done to him. It wasn't done at him. Nobody beat him. He was offended by the way another person was treating someone that he cared about. Are we in the house today? Are we in the house today? And there rose my offense. Because I was working a particular job or a responsibility that I have outside of the church, unrelated to the church, unconnected to the church. And Elder Glenn, raise your hand, Elder Glenn. Elder Glenn was a recipient of someone that was taking something out on Elder Glenn that had nothing at all to do with Elder Glenn. Elder Glenn was doing something as a favor for me, and this person started to lash out at Elder Glenn. Well, here's the thing. I licensed and ordained Elder Glenn as an elder. That's why he is Elder Glenn. And when you mistreat or disrespect Elder Glenn, raise your hand again. If you've done it unto him, you've done it unto me. Now this person would not have disrespected me the same level that they disrespected him. But it made me get offended. And that offense didn't just set with me for a little bit. I, if you could only understand how much I love Elder Glenn. Elder Glenn has been loyal. He's been faithful. He has a great heart. I'm thankful. I'm blessed to, to know him. And when you trod on him, you trod on me. And I will say the same thing about all of you here. If someone disrespects you, I take it as they're disrespecting me because you're part of this body. If you disrespect my pinky, you disrespect me. You understand? We're connected. Oh, praise God. Praise the Lord. I remember the one time me and my wife were arguing after church. And it was the lowest level of argument because I wanted to roll the window down and she wanted to roll the window up. Right? So this was the gist of the argument. And my wife had the last say. She rolled the window up and put her finger on it. Well, just as she rolled the window up and held, you know what I'm saying, she held her finger on the button, 
just as she did that, this little young punk kid that I love very much, that I would never judge, he took an ice ball, snowball ice, rock hard, and he whipped it. And it, the, 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 the dynamics of this snowball would have pegged my wife in the head. Sister Rhonda, wave your hand, Sister Rhonda. Was it an apple? I stand corrected. An apple. Don't know that that changes the dynamics or the value of the story. You sure it wasn't a mango? I thought that it was a snowball. Either way, they lobbed it so that it exploded on the window. And even today, only God knows how a, what that would have been offended to the bone if that would have connected to her face. I'm a pastor. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. But I can't make no promises if you... <laughs> God has brought me a long way. You see, it was the mercy of God that that window was rolled up. Because even though they were young kids, and even though I love prison ministry, moving forward. Now, folks, when you're anointed and you're full of the Holy Spirit and you're born again, do you know that God gives you power over being offended. He gives you power to be able to change people that are offended. And I'm saying that out of an experience that I had. There was a time where I worked at Sears Optical in Richmond Heights. And I'm not even in my sermon yet. Folks, this is pre-sermon. Amen. Stay with me. Amen. I got a lot to share. This was a message that was just waiting to come out of me. Amen. I'm so excited about it. But I need to calm down. I was working at Sears Optical, and um, this person that I did, I never met them. I did not know them. I did not take care of them. My awesome manager uh, serviced them, okay? And this serviced customer or patient came into the optical that I didn't know anything about it. They come in dropping the F-bomb swearing, screaming with the spirit of violence. They were offended to the bone, right? And so I see this raving lunatic. I mean, awesome, loved customer that I cherish with my heart. And I, and I, I started to walk away the opposite direction, and my wonderful manager said, you're the apprentice. Why don't you go ahead and take care of them. I'm like, that is your customer that you created this. And now you're putting this on me. She said, yeah, go ahead. I'm the manager. You're an apprentice. Apprentice. I remember when I used to wear, this has nothing to, I'm going to take a little quick rabbit trail. I remember when I had my apprentice optician tag, the customers wouldn't even look me in the eye. Right? They, they only looked at my tag that said apprentice. They wouldn't even make eye contact with me. They didn't want me dealing with them because it said apprentice. They'd look straight at the eye tag the whole time. 
So I found out if I just took my, my name tag and I put it in my pocket, they thought I was the doctor. I went from not wanting to look me in the eye, because I would dress kind of snazzy when I worked, like Dick Frederick, and um, I would have the tie on, and, and, and the doctor always dressed like a bum. I mean that in a loving way. And they would bypass the doctor and go to me thinking I was the doctor. Amen. That had nothing to do with the story. So this person gets put off on me, and I go to the customer. And you know, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. And the Lord told me just to sit down. Don't let the customer know or feel or pick up in any way that you are intimidated by, intimidated by them. Don't let them feel that you're afraid of them, but don't be threatening in any way. There's a balance. And so I talked, to, I, I sat and listened to them, and God told me everything to tell this person. And, but first, I let them express themselves. I let them vent. I actually listened. I didn't just like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I listened to them. And I said, you know what? I said, I believe um, it was a miscommunication. Um, I know that I can correct it. And I know that you could be happy by the time we're done. And I'll take it a step farther. You're going to love me by the time of this conversation is over. And do you know, by the time I got done talking to this patient or this customer, they walked away laughing. And they went in ready to take someone's head off and by the time I got done working with them, they went away laughing. And my manager just sat back and watched. But she knew I was a Christian. She knew I was a child of God. See, the Bible says signs and wonders will follow them that believe. You, we all, this is not me. This is all of us. You have the word of God in your soul. You have the power of the Holy Spirit operating through you. We can take folks that want to chop our head off and make them walk away laughing. We can do, I'm telling you, when you see something like that, but you can't do it on your own wisdom. You can't do it on your own knowledge. You have to depend on the Holy Spirit to guide you on a case-by-case -case situation. Now let's get into the sermon. Proverbs 18, 19, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. In other words, you would be better off warring against an entire army than trying to minister to someone who is offended. And we live in a day and age right now where everyone is offended. They're offended by everything. They're offended that we have male and female bathrooms. When you go on there, it says male, and then it says female. That offends people. We are, people are offended literally by snowflakes. Well, the snowflakes are white. I feel offended. Why aren't they black? <laughs> How low can you go? Folks, you know what I learned? 
I, like I, I've been saying this, my goal is never to offend anybody. I, my goal is to love on everyone, to encourage them, build them up. However, my hands are tied at the truth. My hands are tied at the word of God. So I am a preacher of the truth of the word of God. And if it's flowing out of me and that offends someone, my hands are tied. But even then, that's still not my objective. My objective is, is to win souls over and the souls that are already won over to empower them, strengthen them, build them up. Uh, 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 let the word of God allow them to stretch, to grow. To, my goal is to always challenge everyone. I want folks when they come in here and they leave to walk away challenged, stretched, stronger. Right? And we have to do that with the word of God. See, if you go to the gym and you do the exact same weight and the exact same workout over and over, what happens is you will grow, you will get stronger, but it becomes a point where your body becomes adapted to that same exact exercise and you no longer grow anymore. That you have to increase the weight. You have to increase or change up the exercises so that it can, so to speak, shock your system so that you can get stronger and continue to grow. It is the same way with the Word of God. See, some folks, they're not looking to grow. They're only looking to hear the same exercise that they've heard for 90 years. Did that offend anybody? <laughs> well, it's not my intention. But look at what the Bible says. Offense has always, this is Old Testament, New Testament. Offended folks has been a topic in the Bible. Right? It says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. In other words, when someone's offended, it's hard to get through to them because you're not really communicating with them. You're commuting with the thousand other people that offended them that they're holding on to. But the Holy Spirit knows how to break into and rescue someone. And Matthew 11:6 it said, "And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me." Folks, we live in a day and age where people they are offended by Jesus. They are offended by the word of God. That's why you have a lot of churches they they they, they gather thousands of people. Because they're not really a biblical church. They are like a club. And when you go in there, you're like, hey, praise the Lord. Hootie hoo. You feel like you're in a club. It's all dark, smoke machine. Yet no one preaches the Bible. Nobody walks out offended. Oh, we're sinning, smoking crack cocaine. Make me feel good. Yeah, I'm about to go kill some people. Feel good. Don't want to offend you. Well, murder's okay. You know, Moses murdered someone. It's so go ahead. Help yourself. 
being offended clouds our judgment and steals the joy God wants us to have. Amen? Being offended, it clouds our judgment. And I'm talking from personal experience. I said I was recently offended. And I'm telling you, I couldn't think straight. I couldn't enjoy the pleasures and the blessings of God and the life. The, how many know when you're offended, your food tastes different? And folks, that offends me. When you mess with my food, it don't taste the same. Being offended clouds our judgment and steals the joy God wants us to have. Now, folks, you know that's not how God wants the church to operate. Think of it from a perspective as a parent, for those of you that are parents. Do you want your kid walking around miserable, unhappy? You see, because when you hold on to a fence, you lose strength. It sucks all your energy. The Bible says, the offense of the Lord is my strength. No, that's why I don't want to do online, because they'll just home into that one little clip. Told you it was a false prophet and bounce out. And they won't get to hear the rest. No, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. Which means that if you do flip it, the offense of the Lord is my weakness. You see? Okay, in Jonah 4.1, Jonah, and I have a lot of folks, I'm going to pick on Jonah for a little bit today. There's a lot of examples in the Bible of people being offended, but Jonah takes the cake, right? It says in 1, it says, but Jonah, this seemed, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry, and he prayed to the Lord isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? And this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that thou art gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So here you have Jonah. He was offended for so long that he became delusional that he thought he knew better than God. And this is the direction where offense will take people. They will be caught up in their offense, and they become a theological PhD, no more than God, because they're offended. They're offended. Not the theology degrees, not the serving, not the giving, not the sacrifice, not the praying and fasting. No. The fact that they're offended makes them more qualified to correct God. Jonah knew more than God. He was so offended that he became delusional. And this is, what, this, is, this is where the devil wants to take all of us. 
He wants the, the world out there right now, they won't go to church because they know more than God. They won't go to church because they know more than the Bible. They're smarter than the Bible. The, the Bible's been tampered with. That's what they'll say. They got all kinds of rational reasons and logics. And, you know, there's all kinds of religions. How do we know which religion is true? First of all, we're not a religion. We are the body of Christ. We're not a religion. Amen? This reminds me of this person I ran into the other day. And I normally wouldn't go there with someone, but it resembled an argument, which I nor you boy, you'll be pressed to catch me in an argument about the Bible. But this guy, we, we did, but I really feel like there was uh, some, a seed was planted. It wasn't in vain. This individual that I was talking to, out of his mouth, he said that he was going back to prison again. And I said, why would you put that on yourself? Brother Chuck, can you drop it down too? I said, why would you declare that? Why would you put that on yourself that you're going back to prison? He said, well, I have no control over it. He said, the next person that says something to one of my family members, I'm going to have to slap the F out of them and beat them up. And I said, well, I said, well, I do prison ministry and I'm going to share the word with the people so that they can have hope beyond their situation. I'm getting ready to go to Lake Erie next week. And, and he said, oh, my cousins are down there, but they won't come to your uh, service. I said, oh, they'll come. He said, well, they're not religious. I said, I draw non-religious people. When they hear about where God has brought me from, it draws everyone. He said, but not them. I said, they'll come. Believe me, they'll come. I've had Muslims come to my church services in the prison, atheists, Buddhists, and I'm telling you, 90% of them at the end of the service, they're like, look, I'm not into your religion. I don't even believe in the Bible, but I like you, and I like what you're doing, and, and, and you would be the one to lead me to God. That's what people told me. And I've heard this for years, right? Because I believe that God changes people regardless of how erroneous their lifestyle is. So this guy was telling me, he's like, well, I'm not into religion. And I, I, I'm probably like a Muslim and a Christian. And I said, well, and we were going a little bit back and forth. And I said, well, and I could tell he was not used to having a conversation where he wasn't beat, where it didn't end up with him beating the other person up. He was either used to a conversation where the other person timidly just agreed to everything he said. He was used to that scenario where everyone just agreed with him, probably out of fear. Or the other scenario where the other person didn't agree with him, but he ended up beating him up. Those were the, 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 the conversations that he was used to. I felt it. But I know God had a purpose for this conversation. I never told him I was a pastor. I never mentioned the church. I just told them that I did prison ministry when the conversation came up. But I'll tell you, God lets things come back in circles. God will let me run into the path of this individual. He might, the same person, 
will probably end up coming to one of my church services in the prison. It, these things happen all the time. And there's a reason for it. But he thought that whoever was a Christian, that they were only a Christian because they got brought up in a Christian home. Because that's what the Muslims were telling him, that all the Christian people are only Christian because we are in a Christian country and they are surrounded by Christian influence and they were brought up in a Christian home and then the majority of the people in this country are Christian so they have no other choice. They've been brainwashed into becoming Christians. And I said, that's a nice theory, but I grew up in an atheist home. He said, yeah, but you were surrounded by Christians. I said, yeah, but I made fun of them. He said, even the fact that you made fun of Christians shows me that they were influencing you. I said, I made fun of Muslims, Buddhists, I made fun of everybody. And you see, he's never been told that before. He had this concept in his mind that this is the way it is. And so I challenged him, but I didn't do it in an angry way. I didn't do it in a threatening way. In fact, I ended up walking away from him because I was busy. I didn't have time. He probably would have went there all day with me, but I was like, I'm like, God bless you. I said, look, I left it at this with him. And I know I really rattled him by his reaction afterwards. I left it. I said, look, I said, look, just keep doing what you're doing. And if you come to a point in your life where you find out that it's not working out for you, try another belief. And then I, and I said, I said, look, I love you. God bless you. I got to go. And I literally walked away from him. And this was his reaction. He was like, he literally walked back. He was just the mind blown. Little, he, he didn't know what to do. He didn't even know how he felt. It was like it, it threw him into confusion. So I, I really believe there was a purpose for that. But the guy, he was so offended by the church, by the Bible, by religion. He was just offended. But see, God will give us wisdom on how to reach people that are offended to the bone. Why was he so intimidating, angry, and violent? Well, I'm not a prophet, but probably he was hurt when he was a child. And, and out of fear, it comes out as anger. Amen? Back to Jonah. Jonah became angry. He prayed and said, Lord, I knew that you were compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in love, who relents from sending calamity. Calamity is just King James. It just means destruction. Unresolved offense can transition into depression. Now, before I was a Christian, I went here. I got so angry and so mad that I would actually black out. And not, I would actually forget what made me mad. Can you imagine people get to that level? That they get so mad and so angry that just like drinking too much alcohol, you black out? That's what happened to me before I was a Christian. And, and, and I remember right before I got saved, I was so angry and so furious that it just sucked. The, the offense, it drained me. And then it transitioned to where I didn't want to live anymore. And so we see an example with Jonah. Let's, let's look at this. And, and Jonah 4.3, it says, Now the Lord take away my life. 
You see, he didn't start off that way. He just had unresolved offense that lingered so long it transitioned into depression. And this is where a lot of people are right now. They said a suicide right now, they said it's one of the higher causes of death right now. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down to a place at the east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen of the city. Could you imagine that you're so angry at someone or you're so offended that your whole entire agenda is to build a shelter and hang out to wait for God to destroy them? You see, there are people right now that they are following you. They're not following you because they're a fan of you. They're not following you because they love you. They're not following you to see good things to happen to you. They're not following you because they want the windows of heaven to pour out a blessing that you don't have to receive. There are people in your life that will follow you for the only purpose to wait for you and hope that you become destroyed. They want to see everything you do fall apart. They want to see you lose your job, lose your home, get divorced, get downtrodden. They, 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 there are people, that is their, they, just like Jonah, you got some Jonas in your life that are building shelters close by to your life so they can see the outcome of what happens to you. And then when nothing bad happens to you, get mad. Be more offended that you're doing good. There are people that your joy but it irks. You guys like that word, irks? Your joy irks people. You irked me. You ever have someone say, that really irks me? <laughs> there are people who think that it is neat <laughs> to wait for your destruction. And this is where Jonah was at. Unresolved offense. Come on. You can't. He was a man of God. He could have been out saving souls, sharing the word, helping. He could have been doing so much more. This is where the devil wants us. Building a shelter. Leave the place where God called you to be. Go out of place. Build a shelter. Hang out in hiding. Alone by yourself. Secluded by yourself. And watch the person. Follow. The people that are offended by you, they follow you more than people who actually love you. They follow you closer. <laughs> I want to talk to you today about offended to the bone. Some folks are past that. They're offended to the morrow. Offended people become hyper-critical towards unrelated sources.
See, a lot of times we have to look what is the source of someone's offense. Because a lot of times what is lashed out on you is not the actual reason for the offense. And a lot of times that lash out is layered with pride. And instead of them wanting to get real and speak from the heart and deal with the real issue, they will lash out at unrelated topics. Offended people become hypercritical. This is why folks, some folks, not any of you good folks, but other folks I've heard, rumors. This is why folks will go from place place to place. And because the same way they exit one place, they bring all that offense with them to the new place. The same offense that they've had on all the other relationships, they bring into their new relationship. I did marriage counseling for these two good-looking folks right there, Deacon Frederick and Sister Reba. I married them. And I did marriage counseling with them. And yeah, they're young, and, and yeah, they, they, they're, they're young in their marriage, and that's a, that poses challenges, right? Definitely unforeseen, because they have inexperience because of their youth, right? You could look at it from that negative perspective. They're young, they don't know what they're getting into, a lot of challenges, but if you ask them how I counseled them, I counseled them from a different perspective. I told them this. I said, even though you're young, you have an advantage in your youth that others do not because you're not bringing in all the hurt and all the problems and all the bad relationships and all the, 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 the baggage that we bring into a marriage. You guys are both fresh, right? And so this is an advantage. And you got some folks, when they enter into something, they enter in already on maximum offense. Now, there are some folks who are skilled at hiding their offense. Man, they will laugh with you. They will joke with you, high-five you, smile, but deep within the bone. They're offended, but their pride doesn't want you to know it. And in that offense that they hold on to, they become hypercritical about everything. And I'll tell you, folks, that's a tough life. Because, again, before I was a Christian, this was my world. Again, if you looked at me too long, I was offended. Amen? Unrelated sources. And Jonah 4, 7, it says, But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm. Someone said the worm didn't do any wrong. Worms do what worms do. They eat. They chew. But Jonah took out all his, his offense on all the whole nation of Nineveh. 
He redirected all of that fence, all that anger, all that unforgiveness, all that bitterness, all of that offended to the bone, and he lashed out on this cute little innocent worm that God provided. Offended people become hypercritical towards unrelated sources. Jonah 4, 7, it says, But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun arose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's bald and beautiful head beautiful bald head. And his conclusion, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Was he really angry at the plant or did he just take it out on the plant? Satan has people offended by stuff that ain't, I love the word ain't, possibly one of my top favorite words. Possibly that's from rebelliousness when I was in school and they told me ain't ain't a word and now it's in the dictionary so I use it possibly more out of revenge. Either way, I'm a pastor, I can do. Satan has offended Satan has people offended by stuff that ain't even their business in the first place. Can you imagine that? People running around offended by stuff that ain't even their business. Worried about what other people are doing. <laughs> Bothered. And I have a billion scriptures for this but for the sake of time I'm going to use an example of Moses, Miriam and Aaron and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married Sister Rhonda, come up here real quick. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married. How is it anyone's business whom Moses married? He didn't marry another man. He married a woman who happened to be Ethiopian. When I first married my wife, I had some, oh, just a tiny bit of my family members. They were offended by her. Some of the people in the church were offended. I don't know if you didn't notice, but I'm not Asian. I know I look a little bit, but I'm not Asian. And they were bothered by my wife being Asian. How would, who cares? You don't have to sleep with her. 
I do. I, let me rephrase that. I get to sleep with her. You don't. Thank you. Good job. You see that? There are people roaming around offended by stuff that's not even their business. A, 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 a mind-blowing resolution and revelation of the resolution of the revelation is mind your own business and you can avoid so much offense. When I was a kid, they used to say, mind your own beeswax. Mind your own beeswax. If we could get back to minding our own beeswax, we would be powerful in God. Now the danger of Miriam and Aaron being offended by Moses marrying an Ethiopian is that they were lifting their tongue against God's anointed. It's one thing when you're offended, but when you start speaking against the children of God, you are playing with fire. See, when we, when we have elevated in our pride to a level where we feel that it is the new normal to attack the leaders of God and the children of God, man, now, now you're offended to the bone is now going to destroy you. Or it can. Let's see what happens. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Let me get it right. He married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? So that now they're lifted up on so much pride, they think, well, that, they, that, that Moses is not the only person hearing from God. See, offended people always feel like they're hearing from God. And I got news for you. The only thing you're hearing from is the devil when you're offended. <laughs> Simmer down, pastor. <laughs> People, when they are offended, they feel like their offense connects them to hear from God. That's how the devil wants them. Do you know the longer, now all of us, I told you I got offended just recently. The longer we stay offended, we become more vulnerable to be used by the devil. That's why when offense jumps on us, we should treat offense like bedbugs. Do you like, do you love, do you want a pet bed bug? Well, I just name him Scurvy. Come here, little Scurvy. Be careful to my bed bug. Don't hurt his feelings. He's sensitive. We need to treat offenses like Scurvy the bed bug. Flick him, squirt him with alcohol, raid, whatever. Murder that offense. Get rid of it. Because you know what happens if you don't deal with scurvy the bed bug? Yeah, he's cute. But what he does is he produces babies. 
And before you know it, little scurvy, the cute little innocent bed bug, starts colonating. And he starts drawing more fences. And then before you know it, you're infested with bed bugs, which are parasites feeding off of you. If you have to leave that house of offense and light it on fire, you have to get rid of that offense, folks. It's not God's will for us to stay offended. I would almost say it is impossible to never be offended unless you're dead. You're going to get offended. But you don't have to stay offended. And there are boundaries that we can incorporate in our life with a repeat offender. There are boundaries in our life that we can incorporate with an repeat, a repeat offender. In other words, someone keeps offending you, you, every single one of you here, you need to see the value that God sees in you. Right? He died for you because there's a value of your soul. Right? You need to see that. And if somebody overlooks your value, if someone does not appreciate you, if someone takes advantage of you, then they should lose the right to have access to you. Do not give someone who is a repeater. I'm not saying don't forgive them. I'm not saying brutally cut them out of your life. I'm saying establish healthy boundaries for both parties' sake. Let the church say. Satan has people offended by stuff that ain't even their business in the first place. They were offended by Moses. And look at how the description of how God describes Moses. These people are like, oh, does God only speak to Moses? Does he have some monopoly on God? And the Lord heard it. You see that? God is listening to the words of offended people. Do you hear that? Which means we have to watch what we say. The Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Wow, imagine God saying about you that you're meek above all the men on earth. That's a compliment. Proud people rebuke people they should be learning from and learn from people they should correct. Proud people rebuke people they should be learning. See, a lot of times people are rebuking someone out of offense, but a lot of times that offense is jealousy. And when someone is doing better than another person, sometimes out of their own insecurity and their own confusion, they, they feel that they get lifted up by being offended and attacking and rebuking someone that is in a higher position or a place of authority than they are. And so they feel that the only way that they can become relevant is to attack someone that they think is doing better than them. 
When in reality, instead of rebuking them, they should be going to them in humility and finding out how did they accomplish what they accomplished. How did they get to the place where they are? Because a lot of people will be jealous of your success and ignore all the sacrifice that you did to get what you've gotten. They will ignore all the battles and the, the trials and the drama that came for you to be where you are. And they will only see the best foot forward that's on Facebook and make all conclusions on that. How many are getting something today? Proud people rebuke people they should be learning from and learn from people they should correct. Numbers 12a says, And with him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed, and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. So in other words, she had beautiful skin. Maybelline skin. Maybe it's Maybelline, I don't know. But she had beautiful skin, and because of her offense, and instead of her attacking Moses for marrying an Ethiopian woman, instead of her judging her and being offended by his personal private decisions that he was doing, she should have been going to him and hearing and learning from Moses because he was getting revelation directly from God. It was a privilege for her to even know Moses. It was a blessing for her to even be connected to Moses. It was a miracle for her to be in the presence of Moses who was also in the presence of God. And she took it so much for granted she became delusional by allowing her offense to raise up and attack Moses who had all the power to be a blessing. See, you are a blessing to some people and the only thing they're going to do is attack you. And you can't change people who don't want to be changed. But God can give you wisdom, amen, on how to deal with them. And so here Miriam was. Now, where did her offense get her? So she was offended at Moses. Now she's offended and leprous. No more Maybelline skin. Offended and leprous. That's where it brought her. That's where the devil wants all of us. Offended and leprous. And did that leprous bring her more joy? Was it where she was looking? And then, get this. I'm not going to go into the whole story because I got a little bit more. Just a little bit, folks. Almost done. Here's the abomination. Is that instead of her learning from Moses, she was rebuking him. And then on top of that, after she rebuked him and got leprosy, Moses didn't put the leprosy on her. God did. 
And then the one person who intercedes on behalf of Miriam, the offended person, was Moses. Moses cried. Moses cried out to God. The person that rebuked him, in return, he cried out to God on her behalf and said, take away the leprosy. Could you imagine that? The same person that you're attacking, God judges you for that, and that same person is pleased, still wants your best interest at hand. But because of the offense, they become like delusional. We, folks, this is true. Now, I don't care if you speak in tongues, if you prophesy, if you heal, raise up the dead, if you walk on water. Now, you folks know I just walked on water yesterday, right? You guys know that? I mean, it was frozen snow, but it's the next closest thing to walking on water, so don't judge. Amen? Keep following me for more miracles. Amen? I thought about that. I was out there shoveling the snow, and I said, wait a second. This snow was at one point in time like a water, and I'm walking on this snow, which means I'm walking on water. Ain't that something? We can't move forward in God when we stay offended, especially with those in the body of Christ. Amen? How many want to move forward in God? How many realize that this life is short? And, and let, me, let me throw that in this mix. The Bible says your life is a vapor. Come on, are you going to allow your limited life to be stolen by offense? And it, the, the thing that it causes offense, it, man, the devil is unlimited. And his reasons why Mo, uh, Jonah was offended over a worm. Come on, you don't think the devil has all kinds of, there's a lot of worms out there. We cannot move forward in God. I don't care how much Bible you read, how much prophecy, how much tongue talking, healing, raising the dead. You cannot move forward if you stay offended. especially with those in the body of Christ. In Matthew 5, 23, a, a quick illustration. It says, it says, therefore, this was actually a side note, but I'm going to leave it on there. This was my, my side note here. It says, therefore, if thou bring, it, it, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar... And there rememberest that thou have ought against thy brother. In other words, you're offended at your brother. It says, leave thy gift at the altar, before the altar, and go thy way first and be reconciled to thy brother. In other words, this is talking about tithes and offerings. So in other words, if you give your gift to the house of God or you give your offerings, that's great, but God is saying more importantly than you giving money to the church is that you get it right with the person that you're offended by, or at least forgive them. Because God is not receiving your tithes and offerings if you're holding on a fence. Your tithes and offerings, God's saying, don't, he's not saying don't do that, but he's saying it does not replace 
being offended. It does not substitute. Leave thy gift at the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. He's not saying don't give, but he's saying priority, money is not, God, his first priority is not our money. Money is a tool that God used to test our faith. And he uses it so that when we tithe and we give to a church, it is an instrument so that we can destroy the love of money. And we're letting God know that I trust more in you than I do in my money. And then it says, when people are offended, they often take it out on people who had nothing to do with the perpetrator. That's not Bible. That was my side note. When we forgive and pray for those who offended us, we unlock the blessings of God. Amen? This is how you overcome the offense. Now, how do you pray for someone who offended you? The prayer is not done out of feelings. Okay? So first of all, when we get offended, there are feelings and emotions that are associated and connected to that offense. But we should not be praying or not praying, or doing or not doing based on how we feel, but what we believe. Faith is, uh, without works is dead, and we walk not by sight or feelings, but we walk by faith. In other words, when someone did you wrong, you might not feel like blessing them, but God will call you to bless your enemies. When someone does you wrong, God will call you to pray for them and do something to them that you would want to do to someone who you're not having bad feelings towards. And you flip it. And when you do that, you're going to find out. Man, I'll tell you a quick little story. And like I said, I have so much content on this message. There was a time where I went to an Asian restaurant with my wife, right? And this lady, we sat down. I told you I can't eat when I'm offended. This waitress... She gives me the, the, the menu, and the way she did it, she, like, grunted at me. And I sat down. She was like, mm, mm. And she, like, handed the, the menu. And I'm like, I'm like, and she just had an attitude. And I'm like, I don't I, There's a million restaurants. I'm not going to go here. You're, mm, mm. Giving, like grunting at me, giving the menu. Then she has an attitude like she does. Now, now I don't even trust the source of the food. So what happens is I'm offended at this sweet Asian lady. I, I don't know. I think this was before I was married. Yeah, this was before I was married. And, and I, I started to walk out. And, and the Lord said, I want you to go bless that lady. And I said, Lord, this can't be you. This has got to be the devil. And God said, go bless her. All my peace left me. My joy left me. I had this... Of this feeling of offense was on me. And it doesn't feel normal for my soul. And God said, go back and give that lady a tip. I'm like, she didn't even give me a water. She didn't serve me. I didn't even order. I'm leaving because of her bad attitude. And now you're telling me to tip her? So I go back and I grab a tip. It was like, I don't know. I didn't want to say the number. I don't know what it was. I don't remember. But I give her the tip, right? Whatever it was. It was more than she deserved. So I leave the tip with her, and I said, this is for you. And I walked out, and I saw the joy come on her face. 
But then I turned back as I walked out the door. I took a second take, and her joy turned into confusion. She knows that she was rude to me, and then I tipped her anyways, and I didn't order. She didn't have to work or take care of me, and I was leaving. And her joy went from joy to confusion. You see, you confuse the devil when you bless those who persecute you. And so as this lady gets confused, I, I think I had a motorcycle back then. And I hopped on my motorcycle and I started to drive away. She ran out into the parking lot trying to give that tip back. Because it probably irked her into figuring out why did she get tipped by someone she did wrong. And that was God. And you know what happened to me? I drove away with my sunglasses on, and I waved to her and smiled. But you know what came back to me? My peace and my joy. And that offense that should have never been there in the first place, it was gone. And their food has not improved since then. When we forgive and pray for those who offend us, we unlock the blessings of God. In Job 42.10, it says, And the Lord turned captivity to Job, and when he had prayed for his friends, look at the order, folks. When he prayed for his friends, his, the Bible calls them miserable comforters. They accused Job, but to their benefit, they sat with him for three days, and they fasted with him for three days without saying a word. But then the point when Job forgave them and he prayed for them, look at what it says. And when Job had prayed for his friends, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. We are inaccessible, inaccessible to Satan when, when stop speaking about the fence, when we stop speaking about the fence and speak past the offense. Amen? We are inaccessible to Satan when we stop speaking about the offense and speak past the offense. In other words, the devil wants you to only talk about the thing that was done wrong. When someone does wrong to you, he wants you like a broken record to get stuck on that track of the thing that was done wrong. And thereby, you actually work yourself up by talking about the fence over and over, you drum it up and magnify the fence more than you magnify God. And that's the place where the devil wants us to stay, where we only talk about the fence. But God wants us to speak past the fence, speak through it. Amen? And let me tell you this. You don't have to be a pastor, a prophet. You don't have... All of us, when you are born again and you have the Holy Spirit and you believe in the Word of God, you can speak past that offense. Amen? And Acts 7.58 says, And cast him out of the city and stoned him, and witness laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now here, 
think about the things that we get offended over. Stephen was literally getting murdered for his faith in Jesus Christ. And even at the point where he should have been offended, even at the point where he deserved to be offended, even at the point where he was in the right and they were in the wrong, even at the point where he was unjustly being sentenced against him and they were casting stones at him, they were literally murdering him. He had all the right, all the excuse, all the justification to be offended at his murderers, but instead he went past the offense and he looked into the souls of the accusers and said, Father God, lay not this charge against their soul. Because if we can look at the fact that even the people who are, are, are offended by us, even the people who are stoning us, even the people who are accusing us falsely or infalsely, they have a soul that God wants to save. And if we can consider that, in doing that, we will also find ourselves overcoming all the offense of the enemy. Let the church say, The love of Jesus. And this is my last point, folks. And I'm going to do an altar call. I'm going to do a few different altar calls for different purposes. The love Jesus took on the cross. Excuse me. The love of Jesus took on the greatest offense so that we could be saved. You see that? He, he volunteered for the offense, the offense of the cross. He volunteered to have a thorn, a crown of thorns be placed on his head. He volunteered to be offended by, by he was the king, the creator of all things. He volunteered to be spit in the face. He volunteered to be stabbed in the side, to be punched, to be falsely accused, to be betrayed with a kiss, tempted at all points yet without sin. He volunteered for the greatest offense because he loves us. Christian Church, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me.